Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Is Ed Glazer, Bucks co-chairman and NFL owner, a hypocrite for hosting a fundraising dinner for Donald Trump last Tuesday? Well, ESPN's Jamel Hill thinks so. I'm going to examine that column and whether some players are being ignored on free agency, like Colin Kaepernick and others for their political views. We also have learned what drives Ryan Jensen and Vinnie Curry, who met with the Bucks media today. All that and more on this episode of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started, let me tell you about an offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. That's a $15 value, and as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sports day to take advantage of the deal. That's audibletrial.com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. So it's Jamal Hill, who works for ESPN, had a column that got a lot of attention today, and rightfully so, and it involved the Bucks owner, Ed Glazer, who's one of the three co-chairmen of the team. And basically it was about the fact that he had hosted a fundraising dinner in Beverly Hills in Los Angeles for Donald Trump last Tuesday as a way to raise money for his re-election campaign. Now, I'm not going to read the whole column to you, but essentially what Jamel was saying, in essence, is that that was an example of hypocrisy because of the owner's stance on, you know, players um, demonstrating and, and them wanting to take politics out of their game. So let me just give you a little bit of an example of, of what she wrote about today. She says, remember when NFL owners mounted a public defense against President Donald Trump for referring to their players as sons of bees, suggesting that those who protested during the national anthem be fired there was brief optimism that perhaps the NFL brass was beginning to understand why it was so important for some players to take a stand against racial injustice and inequality. But that optimism was short-lived. A few weeks after owners and players locked arms, as you know, show solidarity for being attacked by the president, the owners and players met in an effort to clear the air and reach some common ground. And at that time, she says that she quotes Roger Goodell saying, what we're trying to do is stay out of politics. Now, that's the key quote of this. Roger Goodell saying what we're trying to do is stay out of politics. But she says, see, the league actually does want to be in politi- involved in politics. At least some NFL owners do. And she mentions the campaign dinner that Ed Glazer had. And she said, and I quote, but let's call this what it is, blatant, unadulterated hypocrisy. So... Let's, let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, she acknowledges that she didn't have any problem with Ed Glazer throwing a fundraiser for the president. What she has a problem with is throwing a fundraiser for a president who slandered your players and takes shots at your league, among other things. And she thinks it's hypocrisy because there's two sets of rules here, she says, one for owners and one for players. Players who speak up about important societal issues or engage in politics are often told just to concentrate on sports as if they're not allowed to have an identity beyond the sport they play. And, you know, she brings up the words of Houston owners 
Bob McNair at a meeting saying we can't have the inmates running the prison. And McNair later apologized for that. But the broader picture, she says, is that even though the Bucks were among a number of teams that had a statement after Trump's comments, um, they didn't really condemn him either or lay it on the line. And that, that she believes that it's, you know, if the owners think it's okay to practice politics, that it's hypocrisy because they're not allowing their players to. I, I disagree with Jamel on, on several levels here. Uh, first of all, let me just say that you know, I, I've been on the record stating about Colin Kaepernick um, going back to the radio days, and I supported his right to protest, and we can get into that. Didn't like the manner he did it necessarily. Had a lot of veterans call. You know, it's, it's always very popular to take the stand that it's bad not to stand for the national anthem, and it's bad uh, not to salute the flag, and we all get all that. Um, but a couple things that, that I would remind Jamel and draw some distinctions here uh, is that, number one, uh, Ed Glazer did this in a private setting at his home, and he has every right to support whatever political candidate he wants to. Uh, you know, if you find that hypocritical, so be it. But I don't think that the NFL has ever begrudged any player uh, from wanting to participate in the political process or to host a fundraising dinner if he so choose, chose to do so uh, or support any candidate. I think we all recognize that's our right as, as, as people. He didn't do this on a field of play. Um, I think it's a little different when the protests or those demonstrations happen. Um, and at least from a perception standpoint, affect the product and affect the number of people that are watching it. And we've seen, you know, some of the numbers on television. I think there's other reasons for that, like, you know, oversaturation of the product, Thursday night games, Sunday night games, Monday night games. But that aside, they did show a dip in their numbers. It's still incredibly popular league, incredibly profitable because every time they do a TV contract, the numbers go up. But it, it, it just doesn't seem to be on the same plane as what Jamel is intimating, even though I get her point. Um, the other thing I would say in, in covering this team and this franchise with respect to, you know, social injustices or, or you know, those sort of things, um, just how progressive they are maybe as an organization. First of all, they, they did support their players. Uh, you may not like the statement they put out necessarily, um, but the statement was this. As we have stated previously, the Buccaneers – recognize every individual's constitutional right to freedom, which is critical to the American way of life that we cherish. We equally are committed to the principles of inclusivity and respect for differing points of view that should be afforded all Americans. Um, So not every franchise put out a statement. That one you might think is sort of benign. She says that ranks right up there with thoughts and prayers. I think it's more than that. Um, But the Glazers in particular, uh, with respect to just, you know, the way they do business and, and inclusion, if you're talking about inclusivity, find me another organization that's hired more African-American head coaches. Don't think you can. Um, as a matter of fact, that, that Tony Dungy tree has netted many other African-American head coaches as well, Herm Edwards and, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin and Lovey Smith among them. Lovey Smith coached here for the Bucks as well, as did Raheem Morris. So, you know, I, I think you have to keep it in the context of just who the Glazers are, um, regardless of what their political leanings are or interests. I think I haven't done a poll, but I would guess that most billionaire owners of the National Football League probably tend to lean uh, 
you know, towards the Republican side of things, if not for any other reason than economically, if nothing else. Um, but I, I do understand. I, I get the point where Jamel is coming from. And I, I do believe that we are experiencing today, um, even in free agency, you know, Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. I mean, you know, the quarterbacks you see signed on a daily basis, but whether they're as backups, is this is not about talent. I don't think there's collusion per se. It'd be very hard to, to prove that. You know, I've talked to the Bucks about Kaepernick going back a year or so ago. They simply said at the time, at least the football people told me, that they didn't think that maybe he would be a perfect fit for their offense. Look, it's an ownership decision. Nobody on a football operation side is making a decision on Colin Kaepernick. If it was a football decision, he'd be playing. This is about your business. This is about what hit do we take for hiring someone like Colin Ka- Kaepernick. Again, not about free speech because I think, you know, free speech is protected by the First Amendment. It just doesn't mean there's no consequences to it. And unfortunately for him and for others like him, um, the 49ers' safety, for example, uh, Reed is a guy who thinks he's being held out of the league right now, even though there haven't been that many safety signed in free agency because it's just one of those positions that, you know, isn't high on the list of, of, of needs for many teams. Uh, he thinks, you know, that that might be a reason. And yet you have Michael Bennett who just got signed in Philadelphia. But none of those guys are quarterbacks. Quarterback is the face of your franchise. Quarterback is the guy that teams are going to identify with and their, their fan base is the most. And so that puts Colin Kaepernick in a different position. All of this is just a way of saying that um, while it's true that the league uh, has a long way to go in terms of you know, continuing to support their, their players' right to protest or right to uh, you know, demonstrate against social injustice and find causes and common ground and ways to improve relations between whether it's police and, and minorities or whomever, um, you know, that, that does not change the fact that, you know, this league knows that at least half its fan base wants players to stand for the national anthem, and how are they going to deal with that? And as a union, as a, as a league, they're going to have to find a way to sort of answer that. And another point about the Glazers is this. Probably no player probably suffered more after the election of Donald Trump for his stance for taking a knee than Mike Evans. And Mike Evans was arm-in-arm with Deshaun Jackson in Minnesota last year after the president's comments and was one of two players that took a knee during that national anthem. And yet the Bucs just re-signed Mike Evans to an $82.5 million contract. Now, I know they did that not because of his political leanings, but because they want him to catch touchdowns for their football team. So I'm not naive to the fact that they're paying him to perform. Um, But if it was such a problem and, and the Glazers... We're trying to be hypocritical. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure that this is the organization that you want to hold that light up to. And, look, whatever Ed Glazer's intentions were, I, I, I just think that he was exercising his right to support a political candidate. But interesting column nonetheless. We'd love to get your feedback. Um, that's, that's my two cents. Steve, I, I don't, you may see this differently, but... I just think that, and I like Jamel. I know, I've known her for years. She covered the Bucks for a while. I got into a little, little, you know, personal um, story. We were in a bar in Baton Rouge with Stephen Holder, who is who is helping me cover the Bucks. He's in Indianapolis now. Who is also black. Both of them by two LSU fans 
uh, got called the end bomb in, in, a, in a bar fight <laughs> almost broke out. And the bar manager jumped over the, the bar and escorted those two yahoos out of there and everything was fine. But, um, but I disagree with Jamel. I, think, I, don't, I don't think that Ed Glazer is, is really being a hypocrite in this instance. Well, I don't, I don't think he's being a hypocrite. I mean, I think the NFL would prefer politics to stay out of everything, particularly of on the field. But of course, they've done nothing to stop it either. I mean, they don't. No. They, they don't have a rule to stand during the national anthem, and they could have added that in. The NBA has that rule. The NFL yep. did not do that. The NFL yep. has not done anything to the players. Now, the Colin Kaepernick not being signed issue, quite frankly, to me, is not a political decision. It's a business decision. It's you a business. It's, it's a business one, yeah. decision based on the politics of the customer, the fans, the mm. people that buy season tickets and jerseys and hats, and that have written and called and told the owners and teams that if you sign Kaepernick, we're not going to support you. And so they make a, cost, they, they make yeah. a business. It's based on politics of their customer base. But yeah. quite frankly, most most successful business owners can separate their personal views from their business, and they're going to do what's in the best interest of their business most of the time. If Tom Brady had taken a knee, or who's the other great quarterbacks of, of their current day? Aaron Rodgers or Drew Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Even Russell Wilson, although Seattle certainly had their share of protests. But a quarterback of that ilk might be a little different story, maybe. You it know de- what I'm saying? Depends like, on how the reaction of the fan base was. The fan base and also how good is he? And does Kaepernick deserve a job? And deserve a job? Is he is he worthy of a job in terms of his talent? Yes, absolutely. And I I'm still amazed. I, I mean, it still does bother me that all a man did, okay, was try to what demonstrate against what we all watched on television, okay, which there was racial injustice going on, particularly with motorists getting shot for no reason on TV and everything else. So, you know, I think his heart was certainly in the right place and he had every right to do it. I'm still aghast that, you know, we that that he's had to pay the price that he's had to pay because I think he was a pretty good talent. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But he wasn't so talented and he wasn't, you know, so unworthy, un- unworldly that, like you're right, owners are going to do this cost-benefit analysis. And I, again, I think they all, all could make that decision for themselves. I'm sure that in places where they get together and no one's around and there's no cameras, they probably talk about it. But that's a long way from proving collusion where you might need something on a piece of paper that says, hey, let's all get together and decide not to sign Colin Kaepernick. But you're right. It's business-based. Well, let's not forget with Kaepernick, too. And while you could say a lot of his protest was to raise awareness and and his heart's in the right place and he's donated a lot of money and stuff. But he he also wore socks that had cops as pigs. And, yeah, and he wore you know, Castro shirt. And, 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 yeah, so, and, you know, you know it's been more than just raising awareness for an issue. He's taken some pretty hardcore stances. I um, understand that, but you also that, understand the argument. When people, when people say, look, they have no trouble hiring wife beaters. They have no trouble, you know, uh, getting, you know, people that have killed people on the roads with DUIs. 
and putting them back on in the NFL. That's what. So, I, but, but it's a business decision. As soon as the public stops supporting your business because you're hiring wife beaters, they'll stop right. hiring them. Right. They're they're making business decisions now. It may be based on politics of their audience or their customer base or that, but sure. they make business decisions. As soon as as soon as someone says that this wife beater or this this drunk driver, uh, if you hire them on your team, I'm not buying I'm jerseys. Not I'm not again. buying tickets. I'm you know doing right. that. They will not hire them. Right or no, wrong, I, that's I, the way the free market and capitalism works. The almighty dollar is driving it, whether it's political or not, and I get that. I just think that in this instance that to suggest that, that, that Ed Glazer, in particular the Glazers as a family, are being hypocritical, I think they, first of all, they singled out one ownership group that actually did have a statement at a time when many of them didn't put out any statement. They didn't, you know, really say anything demeaning about Mike Evans or Deshaun Jackson. They re-signed Mike Evans. And for all the reasons I'm talking about, I just don't think this was the best example. Um, it's the most recent one, maybe, where you're supporting a candidate that, that a lot of the NFL may not like, including Mike Evans. But it's not, it's not, you know, it's not so, what am I trying to search for? When you, when you do it on the field of play, you know, I think it's different than hosting a dinner. Isn't that what, a, lo- that, isn't that what a lot of the complaints of Colin Kaepernick and Michael Bennett and all them, you know, why do you do it on the field of play? Why are you doing it? And as they said, to draw why, why are you doing it, it while yeah. you're at work? To draw that's what a lot of people. It. That's what a lot of people's complaint was: is you're doing it while sure. you're at work, right? You know, not on your own time. Now, the NFL doesn't make a rule against it, so right. I, I, that argument to me doesn't hold. And much I and, and I really and I really think that if you're going to protest, you you want to you want to draw attention, and that's the platform you have. I I've never understood people that don't understand why they do it there. Why are you doing it during a game? I, I come to the NFL. Well, that's exactly why they're doing it. Because they know you're watching, because they have the platform, because you know this is you raise your fist when you're Tommy Smith at the Olympics on the podium. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the purpose that's of a protest is to make you attention. feel uncomfortable. That's exactly right. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. If it, if it was something you could ignore, uh, then then no one would notice that you were protesting. <laughs> so, I mean, it's supposed to be in the public square, right? So. Um, that, that part I've never understood with people. Why do you have to do it during my football game? Well, it's not during the football game. It's during the pregame. It's during the national anthem. And most people, quite frankly, are either going to the bathroom or going to grab a beer when it's on anyway. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's just this struck me, and, and there was some discourse on, on the Internet with us. Um, again, you know, you're welcome to give us your two cents worth uh, at Sports Day TB on Twitter, or you can um, certainly reach me at NFL Stroud. But, I just think that it was a, a, an interesting column that I – and I normally – like, I like Jamel, and I agree with a heck of a lot of what she does, and I think she's really good at what she does. But in this case, because – maybe it's because I'm a little closer to, the, to this ownership group, um, I, I, don't, I don't see the hypocrisy in it the way she does. Know her point. I understand her point. I just don't agree with it. That's, that's my two cents for it. So on Monday, the Bucks introduced two more of their free agents. These were big guys for them. Ravens center Ryan Jensen and Eagles defensive end Vinny Curry. First, Jensen, you know, he was a guy that was a sixth-round pick out of, a, I swear, a college I had not heard of, Division II school. Colorado State Pueblo is where he came from. And actually, when he got to the Baltimore Ravens, he was cut and put back on their practice squad. He told an unbelievable story that on his first day of Ravens training camp, his first day in the NFL, his first practice. He picked a fight with someone most people would not pick a fight with. 
story with Haloti, you know, first day of training camp, uh, you know, I just, I just went in and, you know, it's one of those things you pick, you, you pick the fight with the biggest, baddest guy on the, on the, on the team and you go with it. And I, I think I get that, uh, that style from my, my college coach, you know, uh, I was an undersized guy going into college, 230 pounds, my freshman year of college and ended up having to start playing tackle at that weight. And, you know, the only way I could survive is, is to play nasty and play physical and play through the whistle. And, you know, that, that's definitely, uh, where I, I kind of got that style from. Despite all his success and the fact that he's now going to be the highest-paid center in the National Football League, Jensen says he still sees himself as that skinny 230-pound offensive tackle. You can't forget where you've been because, um, you know, uh, a great player that I, that I talked to, he kind of said that he goes, um, I asked him one time, like, why do, you, why do you play the way you play? And he, he, just, he talked to me. He goes, when you came from where I've come from, you know, in a, in a bad situation and you get to where you're at, you never want to go back to that bad situation. So that's, that's kind of how I uh, see myself reflecting on, you know, my, my earlier, my earlier career. I've played with a chip on my shoulder my entire career, you know, D2 guy, you know, late round draft pick and stuff like that. You, I can't, you can't lose that chip on your shoulder. Once, once you get comfortable, uh, that's when, that's when things start to regress. Curry was offered a chance to stay with the Eagles. He wouldn't take a pay cut. He knew he was going to get a better opportunity, and he got it in Tampa. And what in part convinced him to come to the Bucks? It was one phone conversation with new defensive line coach Brenson Buckner. He definitely know you know know knows what he's talking about. And um, from from like I said, from just on the phone. This was on the phone. I didn't even get to meet him yet in person yet. You know, um, today I, I met him, but in person, but just on the phone, the way he like he presented his style of coaching, I was like, yeah, you know, whether it's key matchups or, you know, um, the one thing he says, I'm a, I can, I can get you to the to the water, but I can't make you drink stuff like that. You know, just it just it was a great opportunity for me, and um, I'm excited to be here, especially with the the history of here. You know, with yeah, you know, on the defense and spotlighting on the defensive line and see where they're going with it. There's something special brewing here. So I just wanted to be, I'm glad to be a part of it, and I wanted to be a part of it. Curry won one Super Bowl with the Eagles, but he says it's so addictive, he's dying to experience that again here in Tampa. The whole Super Bowl run, I was just, I was telling them, you know, um, some of the coaches, like, that's addicting. Let me tell you, like, as, as contagious, it's, an, it's very addicting that – that whole run was, you know, um, it was a great experience. And to, to win it, there's no – that was like the ultimate of feelings. You think your your body or, or your mind – if you if you in this sport, or, you know, the ultimate feeling is winning that world championship. And that confetti is coming down, team colors, and you just see everybody in the building. I mean, from the chefs to the custodian just crying, you know, and – enjoying that moment together there's nothing like that um ever so that's one of the things that you know i i know how i feel so i know i'm going to pride myself and you know do the best to uh, my ability you know to work as hard as i could to to help this team contribute you know the best way i can because if it was up to me I, i'm thinking every team every player needs to yeah, experience that because it's not like it. I'll tell you, these two guys are, are marquee signings for the Bucks in this instance. Um, when you think about how pleased they were with Ali Marpet and the move to center, well, they're moving him back to guard. And Jensen said he went out to dinner with Marpet, with Donovan Smith. It never came up about Marpet playing guard, but everybody was good with it. They're looking forward to winning games, and they seem to mesh pretty well, at least in the short time that they've spent together. 
in the case of Curry, I mean, you could look at his numbers and say he only had four sacks, and that's true, but he had a lot of pressures, and he didn't get to play on, on premium rushdowns. I mean, it took him off the field on third down because of all the defensive linemen that they already had, but he absolutely can push the pocket. I think that the Bucks are going to look for him to be a three-down player. He'll certainly get his chance to rush on third down in Tampa Bay. So unlike Robert Ayers, who was 32 years old, this guy's a little bit younger, age 28, 29, I still think there's a lot of upside in the case of Curry, and that's what the Bucks certainly need to uh, help them with that pass rush, which you know was last in the league last season. So on Monday's podcast, we mentioned that the Lightning could, and they did, clinch their playoff uh, berth. It's the fourth time, what, in the last five years, tenth time in franchise history, Steve Versnick tells me, and they play Toronto tonight, which is thankfully the last. I'm sure they're ready to get back on the road again after eight games at home. That's a long homestand. This is an eight-game homestand. They had an eight-game road trip earlier in the year in January. Now, that was broken up by the All-Star game, so they were actually right. gone for three weeks from Amelie Arena. But it feels like they've been home for three weeks with this eight-game oh, homestand. Man. I'm telling you. And, uh, and so if they, now if they win this against the, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, that means that the Leafs probably won't catch the Lightning, and so they, they would probably then get home ice for the first round. Yeah, it would be. I mean, it's, it's already going to be hard enough for Toronto to catch Tampa Bay or Boston uh, to leapfrog either, either team to get in the top two positions in the, in sure. the division. But a loss sure. to the Lightning tomorrow, and pretty much the Lightning are not going to get caught by the Maple Leafs. I don't think mathematically it's done deal yet, but it's close enough. Close enough for sure. Now, Boston, uh, meanwhile, on Monday night, lost in overtime to the Blue Jackets. They're three points back, but they still have a game in hand. Correct. So they're at 99 points while the Lightning are at 102 points and uh, with about two and a half weeks left in the season. Boy, it just feels like the Lightning are going to get this done. Uh, If they continue to play well, win most of their games, I think it's still going to be hard for Boston to to try to reel them in. But we still got two and a half more weeks to go, so uh, still an exciting time for the regular season. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays, they played a night game, night baseball, at Legends Field in Tampa, one of the few times that you'll see the Rays play a spring training game in Tampa. And they managed to win 4-2 to two over the Yankees. Blake Snell had a really good spring so far this year. I don't know. I think that might have been his last start. I'm not sure if he gets another one or not. Um, but He'll probably get case, one more. He'll probably get one more next week. Yeah, he had a little shaky first inning. I know they had got the bases loaded there uh, with a couple of walks. He had three walks in the game, as a matter of fact. But he gave up just the one run. They they win four to two over the Yankees, and that comes a, I guess a day after Chris Archer pitched extremely well against the Tigers. Got a standing ovation for his performance. He seems ready to go. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe the Rays got this figured out. Maybe Archer and Snell and give them hell. I mean, I, you know, I got to come up with some some kind of an idea of what they're going to do here with this bullpen, and maybe maybe the Rays will be back on the cutting edge of things again. It sure would be nice to see. I mean, that's kind of what they're known for. That's what they put them on the map back in 07, 08, 09, uh, kind yeah. of, you know, the shifts and everything else. So maybe this is the next reincarnation. Hey, listen, we thank you guys for listening to our podcast. We hope you make this a habit each and every day, Monday through Friday. We will be here to talk sports with you, of course, all about the Bucks and the Rays and the Lightning and all the University of Florida and Florida State. And, boy, by the way, Florida State, Still alive in the NCAA tournament. March Madness will resume on Thursday. Can't wait for that. Take a little breather between those exciting first and second round games. It's been a fantastic tournament so far. Oh, just heartbeat city. I mean, it's like, I don't know whose brackets look good anymore, but certainly if you, if you, if you went chalk, you're in trouble because there's been so many upsets and so many great games. Um, so we'll follow all of that up. 
And we want your feedback. We'd love for you to interact with us. As I mentioned earlier, you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, at SportsDayTB, or myself at NFL Stroud. You can always email me at rstroud at tampabay.com. Rate and review this podcast, Steve. Where do they do that? Of course, you can do that anywhere you get your podcast, whether you subscribe through iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. You can do that all there. SoundCloud is where we post the audio, so it's there. And, of course, tampabay.com slash sports always has the latest. Hey, thanks for listening again. We hope to talk to you tomorrow. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Versnick, have a great day, everybody. Mm-hmm.